Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I'm your host, Reagan Rose. I recently read an article by Samuel D. James called Looking for Wisdom Among the Christian Gurus. And the word Christian is in quotes in the title of that article because the people he talks about are not necessarily Christians, although at least one of them claims to be. His point is that there is a real popularity among Christians for self-help gurus. People like Rachel Hollis, Jordan Peterson, or Dave Ramsey. And in this article, Samuel explores why that might be. What is the itch that these gurus are scratching? And why is it that even Christians are looking to these people for wisdom about how to live? Is there something the church is missing? And uh, I'm going to share some of what he said in there and give my own thoughts, because I really thought he knocked this one out of the park. And in fact, I, I commented on his Substack when I read that this is literally the reason I do Redeeming Productivity, because I think that we are missing the category of biblical wisdom in the church, and something needs to be done about that. Before we get into the episode, I would like to ask you a quick favor. If you're enjoying Redeeming Productivity, if you're getting value out of it, if you're entertained even, could you do me a favor and write a review? Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or somewhere else that allows reviews, just taking a couple minutes to give it a good review, say what you like about it, that does loads to help new people find the show and makes me feel really nice. So do it, please. Thank you. The other thing is I just want to say thank you to the patrons, the people who support this show via Patreon. Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. I wouldn't be able to keep doing this without your help. So thank you. And if you are getting value out of this show, my newsletter, videos, or other resources, please consider becoming a supporter of Redeeming Productivity. You can do so through giving a one-time recurring donation at redeemingproductivity.com donation or by joining the Redeeming Productivity Patreon at patreon.com slash redeeming prod. Okay, now let's get into the show. So the article again is called Looking for Wisdom Among the Christian Gurus, and I'll include a link to it in the show notes. But let's just walk through it together and I'll share some quotes from it and comment as we go. For the purpose of this article, Samuel looks at really three characters, but they're representative of the idea of these self-help gurus and their influence on the church. So the first one he looks at is Rachel Hollis. She is the author of uh, Girl, Wash Your Face. And he, he categorized her as basically an Instagram celebrity who's turned into a self-help guru. Another one is Jordan Peterson, who is well-known, especially among young men. And he calls him the philosophical academic. And then Dave Ramsey, who is, he calls him the folksy financial counseling version of Dr. Phil. Each of these people enjoys some degree of prominence within Christian culture. And it probably depends on your church or which corner of the Christian world you're in. But I'm guessing that for many of you, most, if not all of these names are familiar. Rachel Hollis helps girls wash their face. Jordan Peterson tells men they need to take responsibility. And Dave Ramsey wants you to cut up your credit cards. And Samuel says, this is a quote, he says, all three of these gurus offer what most of us refer to as self-help. 
And now the easy thing to do, and this is what I like about this article, the easy thing to do is to criticize the world of self-help. And it's an easy target. If you watch like uh, video clips of like Tony Robbins conference or something and see him like karate chopping stuff and yelling and things like that, it, it can come off as cheesy. And it definitely is an easy target because the whole self-help thing is easily dismissed theologically. You say, oh, self-help? No, you need Jesus help. But what I appreciated about this article is that Samuel James goes a bit deeper and asks that question, okay, so it's easy to criticize, but why is it that even Christians are so interested in these things? Are they speaking to something that we're missing in the church? And I don't mean, when I say that, I don't mean that the church is missing something and that the Bible is missing it. I think the, as we'll see, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But I agree with Samuel's assessment that the church is missing teaching on a really important category of Christian living, which is biblical wisdom. And the Bible has a ton to say about it. And when we don't talk about those things, the culture is more than happy to step in and fill the gap for us. So here's a quote from the article. He writes, conservative evangelicals balk at this lingo, pointing out that this kind of self-cheerleading tends to undermine worship of Jesus and instead turns the reader's gaze inward, right? That is a very easy and, and accurate criticism. It's self-help. No, that is not what we're about. It's not about you helping yourself, picking yourself up by the bootstraps. The whole thing with Christianity is that I can't do it. I need a savior who did do it for me. So that's an easy criticism, but he goes on and I quote, but stopping with the criticisms of the gurus won't do. Theological problems notwithstanding, the reality is that these gurus are gurus in part because they're speaking into real existential crises that must be spoken into by someone. Right? Whether it's Rachel Hollis, Jordan Peterson, Dave Ramsey, or somebody else, they are talking into something that people are experiencing. Their message is resonating for a reason. He goes on, Quote, for good or ill, Hollis, Peterson, and Ramsey are resonating with millions of people, many of whom are Christian, with messages of taking responsibility for life, letting go of shame and excuses, and believing that a better future is possible. Gurus exist to fill gaps, intellectual gaps, emotional gaps, spiritual gaps, etc. How they fill those gaps matters, but the gaps themselves matter too. He goes on, the ascent of gurus, especially ascent in Christian spaces, should not merely trigger polemics and dismissals, but serious self-examination as to how well our theology and institutions are speaking into these gaps, and to what extent the failure to speak into those gaps has created demand for biblically deficient gurus who can read the anxieties of the times better than many pastors. Man, that's really good. I hope you listen to that. I think he's spot on. He's spot on. There are gaps in people's thinking. They're wondering, even Christians in the church are wondering, okay, how, he mentioned philosophical gaps. How does this all fit together? How can I think about life in a unified way? And I think Peterson speaks into this. In fact, I really enjoyed a few years back when I was still at Grace Community Church, I remember MacArthur talking about Peterson at a Q&A. And let me just share a clip with you about how MacArthur responded when someone asked about Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson is a, uh, a phenomenon in the world today. He's a psychologist 
who is basically saying that you are completely responsible for your situation. You can't blame anybody else. You're not a victim. You are responsible. And particularly with men, he, uh, he says basically to be a man is to take full responsibility. Um, that, that in itself has, has alienated him from the entire world of psychology because he doesn't want to blame anybody. I just like the idea that he is forcing people to take responsibility for their conduct. And I think this helps us with the gospel because if you are responsible for your conduct and you're not a victim, then you're the one that's going to have to deal with it. So I like the idea that he's holding men responsible and also women responsible for their own behavior and the character of their own lives. It's, it's better than removing responsibility, which makes it harder to bring the gospel because people see themselves as victims of somebody else's behavior, not their own. What's interesting is John MacArthur didn't just dismiss him. He didn't say, oh, that's just bunk. He spoke rather approvingly. He talked about the shortcomings and stuff, and there's a longer clip of that. I just shared a little bit there. But mostly he speaks approvingly of it's great that somebody is telling people to take responsibility for their lives. MacArthur is speaking to that thing that Samuel D. James talks about, which is Jordan Peterson has stepped in and he's filled a gap, namely that our culture at this moment is very anti-responsibility. It's always about blaming someone else, feeling like a victim. But the reason Peterson is resonating with people is because he's telling folks to take responsibility for their lives and people want that. But that should be what we're saying. That's in Christianity, the, you to come to Christ is to first take responsibility for one's sins and say, wow, I, I have fallen short. I am to blame. And I need a Savior who can atone for those sins, who can forgive me, who can make me right with God. But you don't do that by blaming somebody else. You do that by first saying, this is my fault. I am a sinner and I need help. And so Peterson speaks that intellectual or philosophical gap. Uh, Hollis, she exhorts women to self-assertion, uh, standing up for themselves, in some ways even taking care of themselves the same way Peterson does. And Ramsey, of course, he talks about financial wisdom and how you make sure you, you're not going into debt and you're budgeting well. And what's interesting is with all of these people, and James doesn't speak to this too much in depth, but they all really are about taking responsibility. And in fact, the entire genre of self-help is about responsibility. For as much as we want to demean it, calling it self-help, which I agree, that's a terrible name for it, it's really self-responsibility. It's really just making a decision. I need to make some changes if I want to see change in my life. And that high level, that concept of taking responsibility for your life is not unbiblical. It is biblical. And as James is going to go on to say, what this speaks to is the category of wisdom and wisdom literature. You even think about in the Proverbs specifically, the comparison of the sluggard, the person who refuses to take responsibility, who always likes to put things off to say, oh, there's a lion in the streets. I can't go out today. Or, you know, falls asleep with his hand in the bowl of food or a little slumber, a little more rest, and he falls into poverty. And that's compared or rather contrasted with the ant who is diligent who gathers so that there is food in the winter and uh, the wise person throughout there who just takes responsibility. That is a wonderful 
important, critical message for living wisely in this age. You have to take responsibility for your life. And so to me, it really is no wonder that some of these even unbelieving, and I say unbelieving, not explicitly Christian in their message. I understand that Ramsey, I don't know him. I, I assume the best. He claims to be a believer. I know Jordan Peterson. I don't follow him too closely, but I know that he has recently said things that indicate he has some interest in Christianity. But that's that's my, my point in calling these people non-Christian. I mean that it's not, they're not in the church. They're not presenting these things from a Christian perspective, particularly. Even if Ramsey says his stuff is influenced by biblical things, like they, they stand outside of a biblical worldview, their message does. The point is that these people and their influence and their self-help messages enjoy a great deal of popularity among Christians. So how should we understand that? Here, let me quote um, from the article again. Samuel D. James writes, the point is that one can either insist that the only reason Hollis and Peterson sell books is that materialistic feminists and jaded male culture warriors are really just that determined to read their worldview back to themselves, or one can point out the societal and even ecclesiological trends that invite the input of gurus. It's a question of what you think the average reader of these books is wanting. For my part, I don't think they're wanting ideology. I think they want answers. This is a very gracious thought that Samuel D. James is putting here. Just as we might be quick to dismiss the self-help literature, we should probably pause and I think say, wait a minute, maybe the people who are looking in the self-help section actually want help. And instead of just poo-pooing on that, we should ask, is there something we're missing? What are we leaving out? And as I've said a couple times already, this is literally why I do Redeeming Productivity. Because I think that Christian living as a category within the church is deficient in some ways. Not that the Bible's deficient, but that the way that uh, our churches, our pastors, and even the world of Christian literature speaks to how you live the Christian life is lacking on the tactical level. I think it's wonderful on the theological level. There's wonderful books on how to live the Christian life. My whole purpose in talking about productivity is to speak about the tactical level, by which I mean wisdom, because the Bible does speak to these things. How do you actually live day to day? How do you manage your time? How do you take responsibility for everything you've been giving and treat it like a steward? What does that look like in real life, in real space and time? Not simply as a theological concept, but that theology pressed into a morning routine, into how you set your goals, pressed into how you create a task list and stay on target with it. That's what I'm interested in. I love the theology, but... Much more, I want to live out the theology. I want to help other people to do that too. And so I do think that the popularity of these authors speaks to a deficiency in the church. And I even think that speaking to these things, offering biblical wisdom, having that be more part of how we talk about the Christian life is a wonderful evangelistic tool as well. People should be able to look at the church and look at Christians and say, those people have answers. Those people have it figured out. Not that we get everything right or that we live completely right, but that we know because we have the word of God, that we know the answers. 
I've said this often on here and in many of my articles, Christians have the answer to the deepest questions of the universe. We know why we're here. We know our purpose. We're made to glorify God. And we've been left with very clear instructions in the word from God, from our maker, about how we're to live, how we're to worship, what it all means. And I just think that knowledge ought to permeate our lives to such a degree that people look at Christians and say, wow, they really live with purpose. They know what they're about. They might be weird and, oh yeah, we're weird. (laughs) But that's because we understand why we're here and we have a bigger view about this life. And what a shame that people would look to secular or even unbelieving self-help gurus for these answers when we have them ready-made and have been called by our Lord to proclaim them. So yeah, I think that there are gaps in our culture. There are gaps people are looking to fill. They're looking to understand. They're looking to be called to responsibility. And we should be the one filling those gaps. Again, a quote from the article, Samuel D. James writes, Gurus fill gaps, but unfortunately, they usually fill them with sand. See, the issue is they're falling short in their message because they're putting the emphasis on the self in self-help. They're prideful in their assessments and their encouragements to self-actualization as if we could do it ourselves. We can't. So what's the solution? What does Samuel James say the solution is to this? It's a recovery of biblical wisdom literature, teaching on that in our churches and more broadly. Here's another quote. He says, perhaps the ideal response to the ascendancy of gurus in Christian life is a recovery of the preaching and teaching of biblical wisdom literature. Maybe my radar is askew, but it feels like wisdom in scripture has been unfortunately neglected in the resurgence of biblical theology and gospel-centered preaching. Yeah, I very much agree. He even references in the article, John Piper piece from a couple years ago, where he breaks down a quote that's often attributed to Spurgeon, where he says, anytime you look at a text of the Bible, you should make a beeline to the cross. And a lot of people have held that up as a sort of a banner for how we should preach, that every Bible passage, no matter what it is, the objective is to get it as fast as you can get to the cross of Jesus Christ. And one, that Spurgeon probably didn't say that. No one that I know of has been able to find that quote anywhere. But two, that's inspired what's called Christ-centered preaching, which obviously you should talk about the gospel. It's the most important thing. But Piper critiques it a little bit and says, you end up missing a lot if you're just trying to get use a, use a passage as a pretext to get to the gospel, because there's a lot, especially in biblical wisdom literature, there's a lot there that is obviously builds on the gospel. The gospel has to be the foundation of wise living. But if you're just skipping over that and getting to, oh, and let's talk about the gospel again, you can miss what it what what the actual point of the passage is. And unfortunately, I think that has led to some of the the problems we have in the church and some of the things that I try to address here, which is people don't know how to they don't they don't know how to live the Christian life. I come from a reformed understanding of the gospel, and people in my camp, we love to talk about theology. We love the theory of it. We love to discuss the nuances of the gospel, and that's important. But I do think that we're lacking in the actual tactics of Christian living, the actual day-to-day stuff, what it means 
to live and walk as a believer. Look no further than the fact that we're all just fighting each other on Twitter all day long. Last thing I wanted to share from this article is I like that Samuel James views this situation not as a challenge or an obstacle, but really an opportunity. He writes, the rise of these gurus is an opportunity more than a challenge. Reformed evangelicals in particular can be so dismissive of quote-unquote therapeutic books and teaching that they can throw out the wisdom baby with the psychoanalytical bathwater. That's a great line. It doesn't need to be this way. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and that includes all true wisdom, real encouragement, and genuine help of selves. We should long for an evangelical recovery of Christ-centered wisdom teaching, teaching that has eyes wide open toward the struggles of life in decadent modern society, and a theological literacy that bottoms out in worship. I agree. The prominence of these people in even Christian circles should tell us, wait a minute, is there something we're missing? Is there something that we're not talking about enough? And I think, yeah, I think he hits the nail on the head. It's biblical wisdom. I wonder what it would look like if we Christians spoke more directly to these gaps in our society. We have a world that is begging for meaning. They're absolutely just floating in a soup of materialism and meaninglessness and decadence and indulgence, and they want meaning, and they should be finding it in the church. They should be finding it in the Word of God. But if the way we talk is only theoretical, and we never get down to the wisdom of life, it's hard for people to understand just how transformative the gospel really is. They need to see it. They need to understand that there is more to the Christian life than simply accepting the message and then showing up at church and in all other ways you look exactly like the world. No. No. Christians are stewards of these lives. Christians are called to live with wisdom. Not so we can, quote-unquote, help ourselves but because our God is worthy of our service. Our God is worthy of work that honors him. Our God is worthy of lives that are dead set on stewarding our time, our energies, our abilities, our jobs, our families, every aspect of it. Lives that are productive in bearing much fruit for the glory of God. And I would hope that we would indeed live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when people look at us, they wonder, wow, why does that person work so hard? Why do they have such integrity? Why, do they, why are they so focused on managing their time? It doesn't seem that they're interested in just getting rich. And they would wonder, and that we would be well-equipped with an answer. It's because we serve a great God. We serve a wonderful Savior. And you can know him too. His name is Jesus Christ. And the fear of him is the beginning of wisdom. The article, again, is Looking for Wisdom Among the Christian Gurus by Samuel D. James. Highly encourage you to read it. It's a very excellent. I'll include a link in the show notes and hope to see you guys again here next week. But until I do, remember this. In whatever you do, do it well and do it all for the glory of God.
For more productivity from a Christian worldview, check out my weekly newsletter, Reagan's Roundup. Every Thursday, I share an insight along with the five best links I found that week that I think will help you in your journey to becoming a more productive Christian. It's totally free. Just go to newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com to sign up for Reagan's Roundup. That's newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com.